Yes, guys, what's good? You're tuning into Mango Masala, Pi Radio's South Asian show. My name is Gerns, and I'm joined here by Prisha, who's going to be talking to us a little bit about Vatica's latest Be Visible campaign. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? And yeah, thank you so much for having me. No, no worries. Yeah, I'm good as well. Um, For the listeners out there, do you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself? So I'm Prisha, I'm 21 years old, and I have a rare chronic condition called sturge weeper syndrome which affects the brain the eyes and the face and um it's allowed it's caused me to have no vision in my left eye and a birthmark um and day to day i work in digital marketing and i also work on campaigns to kind of help other people feel more empowered do you mind just telling us a little bit about um Vatica's latest be visible campaign and what it stands for so when I heard about this campaign I thought it was an incredible opportunity and I loved kind of how it turned out and their campaign is to show how we as individuals with a disability or a visible difference um, can kind of really empower other people and other people who don't have a disability to see the ability and not the difference and that's kind of their main slogan and it was a great campaign where five incredible women were joined together to uh, one showcase their products but also to show the importance of stereotypes and in the industry and how we want to change the stigma that we can be in the media we can kind of be normal people every day, hanging around, being with friends and family. Like, you know, we deserve to have a platform as well in the media, which is quite important. So I'm really fortunate that we've got this opportunity to kind of celebrate our visible differences and showcase that too. So would you say that um, changing that stigma is why their um, campaign is so important to you? Or is there another reason that is why it's so important to you yeah that's basically one of the main reasons why it's important to me because growing up I was bullied with my condition and my birthmark and I ended up having a lot of treatment and operations for my eye but and my birthmark and no one really understood why and on the bus to school um I used to get stared at people would make remarks even going to the local shopping center people would just look at me continuously and I still get that every day now even when I was on holiday and I feel like there's a stigma or this breakdown of anyone with a visible difference it's just shouldn't be part of society and I really want to change that and like the other campaigners we really want to show to everyone we are just like everyone else and we can succeed and we can achieve our goals despite any obstacles that we had previously overcome do you feel like there's almost an extra level or layer added to that when you consider the fact that you're growing up as part of a south asian community as well yeah definitely especially in the south asian community personally i feel like you can't really talk about feelings or emotions. People often end up being like, what are you talking about? Like, this isn't kind of a normal thing for them. And I kind of want to break that down further because I also did an apprenticeship and not go down the typical uni route. And in the South Asian community, I got a lot of backlash from people because they were like, you should just go to uni, etc." So having that on top, as well as a visible difference and trying to, you know, show it on social media, a lot of people were around me saying, oh, you're not part of this community if you're kind of talking about it or raising awareness like you just have to deal with it yourself and I'm very grateful that I am very close to my parents that I was able to have that relationship with them that I could talk to them about it and times where I was not confident I didn't want to leave the house they were able to support me. 
So you've spoken about wanting to make a change in the world, um, both as part of this interview and also beforehand as well, um, and changing the stigma, that sort of thing. Like, how do you actually plan on going about doing that, apart from obviously being a part of this campaign? Prior to this campaign, I've had incredible opportunities from building my own channel, which I started when I was 16 years old, when I kind of decided you know what, even though I might not be the most confident, I still want to help other people out there because everything I had gone through, I never wanted anyone ever, whether they were younger or older, to feel like that. So I kind of picked up the phone, started my YouTube channel, um, kind of grew my following from there and then directed it to Instagram and TikTok when that came out. And because of that, I've now been able to kind of grow a following where it is my niche of anyone with a visible difference or a disability. And since then, I've been working with certain brands like Sleek, so a makeup company on partnering, you know, to really advocate for visible differences um, in the beauty industry, which is another great thing that we've been able to tackle. And going forward, I'm really excited to, you know, work with agencies like Ethnic Reach and Vatica, again, to really showcase the importance of people with visible differences and how we want to kind of overcome these differences that people may believe that we really do have, but we can succeed too. Um, and I really can't wait to, you know, showcase this on my YouTube and really build that up with my following so that they feel empowered and confident themselves to be able to post a picture without makeup or that they feel like they can apply for a job without worrying about what the visible difference is, etc. Yeah, definitely. And that's like, really inspiring to hear as well. And I hope that, that continues to go well for you. Um, just off what you were saying then, I couldn't help noticing how you're like, oh, I decided to like pick up my phone and start doing this. In a way, do you feel like it's almost better? Say you say you're 21, right? So you were born like at the turn turn of the millennium. You've grown up with social media, etc. Which I imagine um, for someone with a visible difference can be a bit of a struggle sometimes. However, on the other side of things do you also feel like it's good because it's actually allowed you to make um, so much out of this whereas say if you were born like in 1980 you would have grown up with no like means of actually because it's so easy now right you like say so you can just pick up a phone and just start doing what you want to do whereas beforehand you kind of have to you had to be selected to actually get um on a level where you can have a platform if you know what I mean yeah definitely and I also feel like I'm quite lucky that I've had a social platform and I've built a community because it's also helped me to be honest when I posted my first video and I got a lot of support and other people saying oh they've got this rare eye condition they've got a birthmark they feel exactly the same way that also helped me and I'm really grateful in a way don't get me wrong I've had the fair harsh comments on social media but it's built a lot more positive in the sense of building this community, the DMs that I get from Instagram saying, oh, I've gone through a similar situation. And as much as it helps them, I also feel like I'm not alone. And I quite like that idea of social media and building this community to, you know, really bring and embrace everyone to feel empowered that they can do it. And by talking about it, there is kind of no downside because you're all helping each other. You're going through what we've all faced, um, which I really love about it. Like I say, you might have those few like harsh trolls or whatever, but there are a lot of positives to it as well. Um, yeah. Obviously, you've 
got this campaign at the moment. You've talked about how you're working in digital marketing as well. Um, but just on a personal level as well, like what's what's next for you? Like, what have you got planned for the future? So I'm hoping to actually, with my current role, I'm really excited to move to Dublin, um, and in the next few months, I think, and because of that, I'll be able to like document my journey especially in the South Asian community, kind of moving away from home, you know, what it's like going to be moving, especially with my birthmark. Um, I'm really excited to share that journey of like moving somewhere where I've completely lived at home for 21 years of my life because I didn't go to uni. I'm really hoping to show people we can do it and we kind of can break these stigmas. And with my visible difference, I think it will be a big journey, you know, moving out by myself, dealing with any times that I might feel insecure in Dublin when I'm alone. Um, but I am excited for that. And I think it'll be a really great change, um, which hopefully I can share with other people so that they feel um, not alone too. Yeah, no, that's really inspiring to hear. And if there are any, there are any listeners out there who are um, wanting to follow you on that journey, where's the best place to keep up to date with you? So it's best with my Instagram, which is Preshabathia and my YouTube channel, as well which is free shabathia and tiktok which is also just my name <laughs> great well thank you so much appreciate for taking the time to speak to us today and yeah good luck with everything amazing no thank you so much for having me if you're just tuning in welcome this is mango masala the south asian show my name's gerns i'm joined here by simran how are you doing hey guys what's uh, up and i know <laughs> as you as a south asian who is into r&b hip-hop etc that that um collaboration must have blown your mind right um, <laughs> they, dropped, they dropped a picture together like a, a while ago now and i remember just being like <laughs> you know just you know just unexpected link up to the century just like mm. uh, yeah it's a good I, song though yeah i feel it works like obviously I don't know how I feel about Tory Lanez in general, given the whole Megan yeah. The Stallion thing. However, this collaboration in terms of for the South Asian community and South Asian music is really cool because it it shows that like um, Dilji Dasanjh is obviously like doing bits within the South Asian music industry at the moment can jump on a track with someone like Tory Lanez and it actually sounds good. Like I feel like you could listen to that even if you were someone who didn't listen to South Asian music or didn't listen to um, Western R&B, you know what I mean? I think it shows like better artist diversity than just people exploring across genres a little bit. Like, let's use someone like The Weeknd or like Tyler the Creator as an example. Obviously, they jump across genres quite a lot. The Weeknd literally puts like Liquid D and B in some of his albums and stuff, which is a bit unexpected considering like where he started off at. And Tyler the Creator does everything. I want to say that this is like showing more diversity out of Dilja Assange. As in going across genres, cultures, languages. So do you think this is showing diversity for Dilji or Tori or both? Obviously both. I think it's easier for Tori because it's like on the trap beat and it's the same kind of like production. Mm. But that's the thing though, it's in um, what's called Asian um, producer. It's Icky who's produced it as well. So like, it's cool. So That is cool. That is cool. Yeah. I think... I'm probably going to put my foot in my mouth a little bit when I say this, but when AP Dylan got famous, it kind of took Punjabi music away from like sounding really, really like folky, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I feel like with tracks like, I feel like it was Insane, <clears throat> that was the shift in track, because with Insane it is very much that whole like 80s nostalgia type beat, yeah. whereas Brown Monday was still, Brown Monday obviously I think yeah. was kind of what made him blow up, but that but was... 
his first the, the one that got him famous was Marjo and that's the one oh, that's yeah. the backing yeah, yeah. track of What's Love by yeah. Fat Joe right yeah um, so I feel like that's the one that probably made him like famous now yeah, for... but then his, the whole rest of his sound ha- is quite like trap beat instrumental like vibes yeah I think since he blew up he has kind of shifted over to that kind of sound yeah yeah so I feel like he's doing good things like he's kind of modernising Punjabi music a little bit yeah because I do feel like that chauffeur track it's like it sounds like it could be on like one extra or pi radio for that matter um yeah. but like it, it like when diljeet has his bits it doesn't sound non-authentic in that sense so yeah but enough enough <laughs> radio time talking about this one track but it's it's really cool i hope there's more um, collaborations like that and it sets a precedent um but yeah how are you and um how was Vasaki as well because I, I just i just clocked now that's why you were home right no. No. Timmy, you should, you should have said you're a good Sikh. You should have said yes. No, hear me out, hear me out. I didn't get to celebrate with Taki. I was in hospital. Oh, how is your, how is your back? Yeah. No, not because of my back. Uh, oh, do you want to discuss it? Or? No, I have a bladder infection. Lovely. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Like, are you okay? Or? Yeah, I'm fine. Um, I was not fine this week. Monday, yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday, I was not fine. And then... Before we pre-recorded on Wednesday, my back was hurting so much. Obviously, in the pre-record, yeah. you'll hear me banging on about it. Um, and then, like, an hour went after we finished, I got the maddest, like, cramps in my, like, stomach and my back. And I, I'd say categorically to this day, I've never experienced pain that uh. bad. And mom, my mom had to call 111 and stuff, and they were like, get your ass to hospital we were on the way to the hospital i was like i think i'm going to give birth i was like i i this is must be what birth feels like i was like this is it you're one of those in what's I'm called in those pregnancies where they don't know about saying and suddenly it's TikTok, like man. i've seen the tiktoks and girls go to the hospital for like stomach cramps and then they're like hi you're nine months pregnant <laughs> i mean that would have made for a much more interesting episode of mango masala syndrome i'm a bit oh, dis- I'm disappointed guys. yeah <laughs> hi guys uh imagine no, thank thank God, it was just a bladder yeah. infection. <laughs> but you're okay now. Yeah, I'm on antibiotics and I'm big chilling. Yeah, and to be fair, at least that encourages encourages you to take a little bit of a relaxed lifestyle. You can't go out doing your usual shenanigans, whatever you go up to in Nottingham. You have to stay off the alcohol, don't you, on antibiotics? Well, they finished today, so. Oh, great. Shenanigans continue. Lovely. You know what's mad? Is it nice weather in Manny today? Yeah, actually, you know what? I looked at the weather app earlier and it was hotter here than it was in London. Yeah. But I'm in Nottingham now anyway. Yeah, true. And I've just realised the sun doesn't shine in Nottingham. The weather sucks. Mm. Well, I mean, it's, it's meant to be bad in Manchester all the time, but so what? Is it not even good there now? It's great. No, I can't see any sky. It's all clouds and it's all grey. Yeah, it's actually paying weather here. Not that you can tell, because I'm in like Thanks. a radio studio with no windows. But when I came in, it was very sunny. So, is it bank holiday vibes? It is definitely bank holiday vibes. Oh. Definitely, definitely. Well, it's not bank holiday vibes here. The sun doesn't shine in Nottingham. That's my conclusion of the year. Well, then, all the more reason for you to get back to where you belong. No, no. Um, shade there but you know i mean like just saying anyway honestly how are you i'm all right um 
looking forward to, I'm going to have a bit of a chill time over the next couple of days, um, which is going to be, now, I hope the weather stays like this, um, so that I can actually like chill, get some vitamin D, because I haven't been abroad since 2019, and I'm definitely lacking the sunlight at the no moment. No way! Where did you go last? I literally, I went to visit my grandparents um, in Miami in August 2019, so, and then obviously COVID, and I just haven't been away since, like, which... <laughs> And now, obviously, I've got um, a dog, so... Um, a proper dog. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I have to um, have to take her into consideration for in terms of everything, as you mm-hmm. see. Oh, no, don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all out in the open now. Everyone yeah, knows I've got a dog. Um, yeah, so... Um, Would yeah. the dog stay? would i do would i get someone to dog sit i mean yeah like i would i would have to obviously like if they're going but i don't know maybe when they're a bit bigger they can go to the kennels but like yeah yeah but um damn we need to go on holiday i haven't been on holiday since march 2020 oh so you went just before the pandemic we went on a girl's holiday one of the girls was wearing a mask at the airport and we were all like what are you wearing a mask for like come on like grow up blah blah mm. blah turns out she was right <laughs> It does turn out to um, be like that sometimes, but... Yeah, we were all, like, taking the mick out of her, and then the whole time, like, we went to um, Krakow in Poland, and we were planning to go to Auschwitz and stuff, visit that for the day. That got closed because of corona. Like, things were closing as we were there, so we were a bit like, oh, no. And it was obviously, we got back and everything was fine, but then, like, a week after that, we went into lockdown. We were like, damn, we, like, scraped it. Mm. But anyway, enough like it's been two years now, enough talking about the pandemic. In other news, um have you seen about um Ranbir Kapoor and Aliabut um and the wedding? I wanted to ask you I don't want to talk too much about this, but I just wanted to ask you as someone who's like um into like doing makeup and stuff. This is what everyone's kinda of talking about. Obviously they're really happy about the wedding, but also a lot of people are drawing attention to the fact that her makeup look was incredibly like simple and very much like yeah. fresh face i wondered about what obviously they're entitled to do what they want about that but what's your like opinion on doing that in general i th- i really love it like when it comes to makeup unless it's like editorial or photo shoot or special effects or something like that i'm such a firm believer in less is more and obviously for a bride it's your choice it's your special day like i've heard of a lot of brides that do their own makeup on their wedding days just because they don't trust someone else or they just like they like doing it the way they want to do it which is fine and some people like really don't want to go ham with like lashes or like a red lip or something and i really respect that i feel Mm. like for me like do you ever hear the or like see those tweets about like girls birthday makeups and how awful it always is no no enlighten me i don't know what that is it looks like people like making a joke out of um basically saying that girls never look good on their birthday because obviously girls put in a lot of effort for their birthdays and then i think the 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 point of the joke is that girls overdo it yeah i feel like you always like from what i've seen with uh, my partner as well like it's always a case of obviously she looks really nice but i feel like she always ends up getting so stressed that she's always like oh no i don't look like no matter how nice you look you're always going to think that you could look better sort of thing I think either you put so much pressure on the day that you stress yourself out and don't do as well as you like don't do it as nicely as you want to or every tiny tiny little thing that goes wrong to you is then going to be a big deal Mm. on the other hand i do feel like the where i do see some truth in those jokes is when um i feel 
you should never try something new on like a special occasion oh 100 can you imagine like um i i know for a fact so i'm getting married next year and i know that um bianca my fiance is gonna do like makeup trials 100 beforehand can you imagine oh, yeah. like like just being like okay so i'm gonna go for this makeup look and i'm not gonna try it at all before like a few hours before i'm about to get married like no yeah <laughs> or even like or say like getting your hair cut before your wedding like a, like a drastic haircut or a hair dye that you've never done before do you know what i mean like yeah just or like i think the thing with girls is like on their birthday is like getting some new hair or trying a complete new makeup look or trying an outfit that you don't really wear just because you think like let's do something different it's a special day and then you end up yeah not looking as great yeah for sure but <sighs> with um this case i actually just really liked how simple it was i think that's i think that's honestly what i'd end up doing for my own so i really back it mm, i think and it's well, gorgeous mm, definitely i mean and obviously you'd expect that given obviously she's like a, super, a superstar she's got the money to um spend on that yeah, but i think oh that God, yeah. that's also like kind of it, it's it's nice because she's someone who's so much in the public eye and she's gone like i don't care what people think i'm just uh -huh. going to be rock my own like fresh face yeah. makeup look sort of thing so unless unless she did it by herself whatever makeup artist she had to do her makeup probably cost a hell of a lot of money mm. but i think it looked really nice i think the only problem is right being the bride there is obviously a element of you want to look like the bride mm, yeah that yeah that, that is true like you send out like a psa like before the wedding like this is a no makeup wedding no yeah. one's off because no i'm one gonna do it makeup. moisturizer only yeah <laughs> Uh, but because i feel like especially now like girls are so good at doing their own makeup because of youtube and tiktok and like social media and like just like sharing tips with other people most i'd say most girls can do a very very good at least just their own face forget doing other people's faces but most people can do their own to a very good standard mm. and i feel like now as a bride if you took the outfits away if you looked at just hair and makeup it's kind of hard to compete like everyone kind of it's all the same level Mm. True. Well, I suppose that's why it's kind of nice that she kind of bowed out of that and was just like, yeah, I'm just going to, yeah. I'm going to do something different. But yeah, like keeping on that positive note, you sent a very, what's it called? It was cute, positive TikTok on the yeah. chat the other day, um, which was of, um, they were, all, were they all South Asian weddings or were they? Yeah. So they're all South Asian weddings, um, but they were same sex couples. Um, and it was just really nice because they were all such um beautiful ceremonies and they're also colorful so like really nice I locations was, as well i think it was one wedding and all the different events that would make more sense oh i thought it was literally like a load of different ones no no i think it was one couple okay fair enough so it was one couple right wait was it um female two, females, two yeah. female two female um south asians getting married and uh, it was so many nice outfits and also it's so nice to see it's nice because obviously the whole ceremony looks really beautiful but then also you've got the fact that you've got like the um fact that the families are actually supportive of that because i think that's um i think that's a main issue at the moment because i see i don't think it's uncommon in today's day and age to see really nice um pictures and videos of um same-sex relationships from in south asian culture um getting married like i've seen loads of them which is great but i do sometimes think when i'm looking at that i'm like oh, i can kind of tell that maybe not everyone is there sort of thing or it's sort of like they they've done that but it's like they've had to kind of do it 
shunned away sort of thing uh-huh. rather than um their whole family sort of embracing it so uh, to see tiktoks like that i think that's really nice that was kind of what i was thinking when i sent it in like i don't know if it was just me living under rock but i don't think i've seen a same-sex south asian wedding happen like with that much production like as a as a um heterosexual south asian wedding like a typical one would mm. look like literally look the same just with two brides do you know what i mean yeah. and they both looked amazing their outfits were phenomenal mm. it just it was really nice and like quite heartwarming to see like that level of like set up for everything mm. as if it was just a heterosexual wedding like i just really like that yeah and i think that's the thing that's important is to try and get um on the same level so that there isn't any sort of i mean obviously i think it, you are gonna have some like points at which you're gonna have to realize okay this is different to sort of what we're used to quote unquote and because of the way that the scriptures written in terms of there are different things for a man and a woman in certain religions yeah. however for the most part you want it to be so that that people aren't thinking about oh so this is this is different to what we're used to blah 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 you want this to just see i'm going to a south asian wedding it doesn't really matter yeah. whether it's like who's actually getting married like i think like as time goes on the novelty of the same sex wedding in our community will be removed and like you said it will just be like i'm going to a wedding and whether it's um a man and a woman or two men or two women or non-binary people or whatever like it's not going to make a difference like that's not even a question it will just be normalized but i think in our community like there are extra barriers that we face compared to like white english same-sex couples for example there's a lot of cultural religious um barriers in place that we still face and it's hard to overcome and it prevents a lot of people from admitting to themselves that they're feeling that way in the first place from coming out and then let alone like finding a partner all the struggles that come along with that and then going ahead with a marriage and stuff like that yeah i mean even like like we've said like as time goes by the novelty of it is going to wear off and it's going to become a bit more normalized the thing is even then because i think now in today's day and age obviously um members of the lgbtq plus community are still um discriminated against in so many different ways however in white western society i would argue that it has sort of been normalized to a significant extent like going to a gay wedding like i think like like i think for example if there was one on like coronation street or something it wouldn't be like a big deal as as opposed to like 20 years ago however um, I think the way that it's going to happen with the South Asian weddings is, yes, it might become less of a novelty, but there's I, there's still going to be at least a generation of where people might go to these weddings, but it's going to be like the talk of the town and everyone's going to be like, oh, so so-and-so's doing this. like Because unfortunately, that is like a, a facet of um, our communities and cultures is that people like gossiping a lot and they do like judging a lot. So, yeah. Yeah, I can definitely see that happening. The wonderful thing about our generation of South Asians coming up is that we don't care what other people think. And we've realized like the generations above us, they didn't have a choice, but they had to care what other people think because that meant that you were like in the family or not in the family. You had support, you didn't have support, you had money, you didn't have money. It was a difference. You had to uphold certain standards and you had to keep to a certain way of life just to make people happy. Now, obviously we can live on our own two feet differently than our grandparents did back in like the 50s and the 60s it's different now Mm. and you realize that you don't have to live for other people and you have one life and then if you're happy and that's all that matters not random uncles and aunties that are going to put their two pence in because at the end of the day 
you don't see them every day, but you will see the person that you're with every day or the, you know, you live the decisions that you make every day. Yeah, no, definitely. And in, that's a way in which social media is obviously being a blessing for so many people, like not just in this instance, but in so many, like I can't imagine what it must have been like 20, 30 years ago yeah. when people were feeling this way and just had to feel like they didn't have anyone else who was going through the same thing as them because they just weren't aware of it and there was no way of connecting with them. The thing yeah. is, I definitely, you definitely can't blame the generations above because they had no choice in having to like live their life that way. But like, I think you can definitely sympathize with them on that level in terms of they came here for one thing and one thing only, and it was just to like establish themselves here, buy houses and like get married and have kids like just on a pure survival basis. Whereas like we're lucky enough, we're fortunate enough in the position where we don't have to live to those standards quite so strictly anymore. and we can start living like for ourselves basically and realizing that you just have to do what makes you happy where did you go i just went to do something with the camera but i luckily was able to hear you the whole time i'm paying attention i'm multitasking i was monologuing there yeah i know i i heard i kept on hearing you pause for a second and then continue your talk yeah i, I was like oh, he's not that. back yet he's not back yet <laughs> <laughs> but no what you're saying is all correct and i think it's a positive in note to sort of like end this on but there is something i just wanted to talk about before we play a bit of music which is something that's kind of been going on for the past couple of weeks but because of certain scheduling things we haven't had the chance to talk about it yet and it is actually relating to the uk as a whole and it's that um so the government for time now has basically been talking about passing um laws which would ban conversion therapy um for people that don't know conversion therapy is basically carried out um on members of the lgbtq plus community um and it's basically an attempt to um what was there's a there's a way of saying it but i can't remember what it's called but it's basically a way of trying to convert people's sexuality by different means so it might be be trapped by like doing various psychological things by in hypnosis by uh, it goes to very different different extremes but i think in all cases it's very demeaning and it's obviously it's wrong like you shouldn't try to change someone's sexuality or the way that they're feeling it's not a disease it's not something that needs to be cured and it's crazy to me that this hasn't already been banned <laughs> before now um However, a few weeks ago, the um, government came out and said, okay, we're going to pass um, this legislation. Um, however, they announced that they were actually going to exclude trans and non-binary people from the ban. So basically, conversion um, therapy for um, lesbian, gay and um, bisexual people, that will be... Um, banned but not for trans and non-binary people however if you look at the government's own data it actually um, shows that trans people are at an unparalleled risk um, of being victim to conversion therapy and by like stopping um, this conversion therapy from being banned that it's just going to continue going on and people can continue doing this without them um, suffering any punishment because it's not illegal at all like they obviously like you you can't stop someone from doing something that isn't illegal you know what i mean um and it, it for me it's just i don't get like i, I don't see that how can you 
like what 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 was the actual reasoning here like why would you just choose to exclude trans people from this conversion therapy i think like from a, from a, as a psychology student when we learned about conversion therapy it, therapy it was the most like one one of the things that stuck with me most of how disgusting it was because in america it was common practice until like a few decades ago maybe like the 90s that could be wrong but i honestly think like it was very recent till they like realized it's still not it's still it's still not illegal there either but like till mm. they stopped making it common practice um to then acknowledge that it's bad it doesn't work and that it's like detrimental to people but then still marginalizing groups and keeping some groups excluded and included within that ban is messed up yeah and it's obviously they haven't actually come out and said this but what i get personally from that is that they're saying it's um we recognize that um you can be gay or, or you can be bisexual but we don't recognize um being trans or being non-binary as being a valid thing because if it is a if it is a valid thing then obviously there's no need for conversion there's no need for conversion therapy whereas by by not um including them as part of this um, legislation they're obviously sending out the message that yeah we still we still see this like obviously it it, uh, it this is what i i get from it that they're saying oh it's weird oh it's this is that like um therefore conversion therapy is okay like because if it if it, if they didn't think that then why would they not include it you know what i mean i think they're essentially saying like being transsexual is still curable it's still something that needs to be sorted out that you can then return to like a normal air quotes state to like back to not being trans anymore essentially mm. using this conversion therapy the only reasonable explanation there must be some kind of like theoretical basis for conversion therapy that they're using to support this claim because otherwise there's no good reason for them to ban it for sexuality issues and not on the issue of gender yeah and i think it, it's just really sad because it, it this has all happened within a couple of weeks of the first um, trans MP actually coming out and saying like I'm trans and um, it's actually it's a, it's a member of um, the bar, the leading um, party's own party it's a conservative MP that's come out and said this um, so for them to come out and then within the space of a week two weeks to then find out that um, their own, own government their own party is not actually um supporting the motion to ban conversion therapy for them i'm also just kind of like what like why <laughs> like the obviously i get yeah. why people are doing them um, uh, why people do conversion therapy i get i i don't believe in it but i get why you would want to do that in your own skewed up messed up way um but i d i don't get <sighs> But also, you know, conversion therapy has absolutely no efficacy. There is like, mm. uh, there is no evidence really to show that it's ever worked on the grounds of mm. sexuality, gender, um, personality disorders, psychiatric uh, symptoms. There is no evidence to suggest phobias. There's no evidence to suggest that um, conversion therapy works. Yeah, I imagine it just leaves you traumatized. Like, <laughs> if you. I don't advise that anyone does this, but if you're interested, just Google some of the stuff that they were doing in America in the like 70s and 80s um, with gay people. It is harrowing, some of those stories. Like, it is literally petrifying. It's disgusting. Mm -hmm. Like, very, very, very violent and yeah. traumatic. 
I think it it goes to show as well, like like with many um, social issues, you can co- come around and say like, oh, like it's not illegal to do this anymore. It's not illegal to do that. Therefore, it's over. It, it's very clearly not. There are very st- clearly still um, the people in power who have these troubled mindsets and it's pervading through into today's um, generation as well. Like just, yeah, I think people... Um, really need to actually get on top of this and push like i'm i'm not sure where to direct people but i'm sure if you google you can find out how to um i believe the best way thing to do is to actually email your mp um about it and encourage them to um bring it up in parliament um what i'm not sure about is what to do when you um when you when you know that emailing your mp isn't going to do anything because me personally i remember like there was a time where i used to email my mp like loads of the time about loads of things and every time i just got back the same mundane email and then at the end basically implying that they weren't going to bring up what i wanted them to and i'm just like well what yeah. what, what is the point <laughs> like i don't understand like uh this country's yeah. broken mate allegedly in our opinion yeah. Anyway, yeah, let's, we can include that before. Halim is coming for the second half, by the way, guys. But yeah. <laughs> you'll get a bit more of him. Uh, what's it called? Um, cutthroat approach to everything. Then I have got Halima with me in the studio now. What's up, guys? How's everyone? And um, we also have Simran with us. How are you doing? Oh, got the giggles as per usual. What's she laughing at now? Uh, I was drinking water and I was like, <laughs> the water, so you said my name and I was like, oh, sorry. Classic Simran. It's not very professional, is it? I know, I'm so sorry. Anyway, I realised, Simran, before when we were talking about all, like, the, um, like, R&B, I wanted to talk about um, Rihanna, but I forgot, so we're going to talk about it now. Um, now, I think there's been, like, a lot of sources. So basically, what we're talking about here is there were rumours going around and let me just say we're on radio okay so this is there were rumors okay people <laughs> were talking about this um on social media loads alleging that here comes off yeah, comes inside yes, man exactly. <laughs> with alleging, all the alleging and the rumors <laughs> alleging that um asap rocky cheated on rihanna who is obviously carrying his baby currently now i've seen a lot of with, stuff yeah, with yeah. Amin she's a really famous designer right she does fenty footwear oh wow okay so then, like, there's been a lot of sources that have come out since and said, oh, it's all rumours, including, um, what's her name, sorry? Amina Mwadi. Amina, so like, they, they've, like, um, she's come out and, like, she's put up a post um, on her Insta that I saw that was, like, completely, wait, like... Wait, she? Wait, yeah, yeah, like, I, I'm sure I saw, like, a, something, like, a story or a post or something which basically said that it's all oh, it's what? all rubbish sort of thing. I never saw it. Rihanna said it. No, Rihanna, Rihanna never comments on anything. I was going to say, yeah, like, that's surprising. Um, but, yeah, I oh, mean... Yeah. For the for the one day where it was possible that this was true, I saw so many tweets um, tweets that were like, "If if Rihanna is getting cheated on, then there's no, there's yeah, <laughs> that that." But also, then there was like, "There's no." But there's for a lot of people said that about like Beyonce as well. You remember when yeah. like, that, and and yeah, I don't I don't know. It's kind of like slightly it's true, but also it's like there's never any logic to cheating, is there? No, definitely not. Like, there just isn't. What's true? 
Like slightly it's true, like if Beyonce can get cheated on, the rest of us don't have a chance. But also oh. it's like there's never any real logic to cheating. So no. I think yeah, for that one day that it was not confirmed a rumour, mm. um I was I was bricking it, man. <laughs> no. I was very, very upset that we'd have to Rocky. cancel yeah. Rocky. I think it was personal. Yeah. Huh? You were upset that we'd have to cancel Rocky. Yeah, well, it's not even that like, okay, I love ASAP Rocky's music, but don't listen to him every single day. Mm. But it, I was just like, like, I took it personal. Mm. Yeah, because I, I got the impression that he's quite a nice guy. From what yeah, I, like I, I don't know. Like, like, a bad guy, you know? Yeah. He's just ASAP Rocky. Not Rocky. <laughs> not ASAP. You know? Did you uh, say Rocky Gate? <laughs> no, I didn't, but that's funny. Rocky, Rocky Gate. Gate. Um, I just like yeah, for that twenty four hours I was just reconsidering my whole entire life, like what is the point? And I just feel like okay, it puts into light how disgusting it is. Not just to cheat on someone, obviously, but to cheat on someone while they're, when pregnant, they're pregnant with your baby. Yeah, true. Mm, yeah. Like I look would... at Tristan what's it, Tristan Thompson? Tristan Thomas. Yeah, yeah that guy, Close yeah. Ting, yeah. Yeah, who she still wants for some Tristan's reason. Third trimester. They literally his like his like, Wasn't she didn't she find trimester. out when she was in the delivery room? Ugh. That's Which my he's worst. Cheated, he's, he's cheated on like three women while they've been in their third trimester with, with his child. Wait, three times? He's done it three times. Like more, it might even be more. Like that's they could they literally call him Tristan Third Trimester Thompson. No way. Thomas, that guy's a villain. Yeah. That guy's actually a villain. He's worse than Thanos. A villain. How? Could, how? And I, I don't, I don't know. Like, and Chloe still said she wanted to have um, more children with him. Fair yeah. enough, she wanted to keep the dad thing, but come on, at that point. That I don't get. Like, obviously, I feel bad for her the way that she found out as well, but I don't get after because he's out. done it. Because uh, um, Halima was just saying about how um, she found out um, apparently when she was in the delivery room. Oh, so yeah. I'm saying that the way that she found out, obviously, I feel really bad for us for that. Oh. But then I'm also like, why does she keep going back to him? Because I, I'm pretty sure I've heard that it's happened again since. Yeah, I have. Like, yeah. But like. it's just crazy like oh sorry go on Simran when she was in labour with True that this is when he got photographed in the club getting like a lap dance from a woman and then got photographed going into a hotel with her I would die and then since then something else has happened but it raises the question this is just them getting caught how many NDAs have been signed yeah trust me dog wait didn't he have another wait wasn't there wasn't there a whole situation with another woman who she came forward and was like oh yeah he's breeded me and he was like no I haven't and then they did a paternity test yeah. and he was like oh yeah sorry I gotta take accountability that's not yeah. I don't know the kind of resilience you gotta have as a woman to keep accepting that like, and yet they what's will, every like and yet they will continue to make out that Jordan Woods is the it villain. was a problem mm. no I know exactly that's it that's actually crazy like guys w- could you guys ever get cheated on what, nah, what, yeah, would I ever get No, could you? Could you? As in, like, as in, like, do you think you could forgive if you got cheated on? I mean, God forbid. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I think it could depend. Like, I'd like to think no, but ultimately, I know that if it came to it, I would probably, in my, in the back of my mind, I would really want to make it work somehow. Yeah, but that's like, always a difficulty, isn't yeah. it? It's definitely dependent on your relationship and how the relationship was prior to the cheating. Which if mean? it was like. Like if you if it was an awful relationship that was toxic, never worked anyway, was probably oh, like yeah, yeah. start with. Mm-hmm. Then it's kind of one of those situations where it's like, 
can we just break up and like get it over with easy and way just, out you know, yeah. yeah but then I feel yeah. like if it was really good relationship and they did that you'd just be thinking well why did you do that if the relationship yeah. was good in some ways it would hit worse yeah because they were like, like, okay. that's what I'm saying it definitely would hit worse In it I think the difference is when there are children involved or pregnancies yeah. involved then mm. you just don't do it then, then you handle it like an adult and you talk things out you know go to therapy I don't know yeah. it's really it's so it's so hard isn't it like you, people are always kind of like you say one thing and you never really know it's them ones isn't it because I, I feel yeah. like I'm the same I'm the yeah, same with Carlos yeah. yeah yeah you can't say anything until you're in that situation because you know when you it, if you it never know. To you, you know but I feel like I can't confidently say I feel like I can com- I might not be able to confidently say that I would walk away if there was any instance of cheating but I can confidently say I would walk away if there were numerous instances of cheating like that 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 particularly would never be me god forbid yeah god forbid i agree i agree yeah like i think like if something like ever if if i if i was on the cheating end which i I don't think would ever happen like like 100 percent sure certain would never happen yeah if you're listening but um (laughs) i I would do if that did happen i would do everything in my power to make sure that they would never ever happen right it would have to be a complete overhaul like say for example it happened um, when I was intoxicated or something, I'd be like, right, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to drink anymore. Because like, I was, yeah. was the point, like, right. of like, yeah. you know, what I mean, or, right. or don't put myself in that same situation. Right, right. Like, exactly. It would have to be a complete, complete overturn. Yeah. And it can't. I feel like it's difficult, isn't it? Because it's like once you've accepted it once, like first time you can, you know how people say like one time's a mistake, second time's a choice. Mm. Like after the second time if you yeah. still continue to forgive then it's a free-for-all in my opinion getting taken mm. for a mug of that do you know what I mean yeah in our opinion if nah, Chloe, 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 Chloe Kardashian <laughs> if you're listening press for Chloe come on guys yeah. but back to ASAP Rock Rihanna my question is yeah who starts these rumours probably like yeah. like news like like celeb gossip pages or something like that yeah, like it's just a slow slow news day probably I think it has been a slow news day since Will Smith sucked Chris Rock. Nothing's really happened. Yeah, exactly. So, mm, who, who, can we pick on, who can we pick on today? Yeah. Well, I always think that, though, like, with celebrity news, I just take everything with a pinch of salt. I just feel like, why don't you just let Rihanna be happy? <laughs> Sorry, I sound like such a Rihanna fan right now. <laughs> Leave but, um, Rihanna alone! How sweet she's been, her whole pregnancy. She's just so happy. But I think it doesn't touch her, though, innit? Like, I really think it doesn't touch her. Yeah. Like, she's, 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 she's too rich and too beautiful. She's unbothered by this whole thing, apparently, which is crazy. Like, mm. I just read the Amin Wadi statement, and she basically said, like, Rihanna is chilling. Like, yeah. she's serene, living her best yeah, life. Yeah, why wouldn't she be? If you're that beautiful and you're that rich, my guy, nothing is touching me. Mm. But you don't think it would, like, even so, like, the slightest seed of doubt in your brain? Well, yeah, but I'm sure they kind of have, like, the... the um the, the What's it called? The, the wits to deal with stuff like that. I mean, she's been in the spotlight since she was 16. Yeah. Anyway, closing the book on rumours. All right, let's see uh, how you segue this one. Go on. Well, you put me under pressure now. I don't, closing the book on rumours and opening the book on Rwanda. There oh, go, my right, God. Right. right, but anyway, we're going to talk a little bit in general about certain news that has been going on, both UK-based and the world. Um, spoiler alert, it's all mainly negative, but then news is, like, 90% negative, let's be honest. Um and it's all stuff that's happened in the past week, right? So, um, Halima, seeing as you are 
um, the equivalent of a guest because you were here Ooh, last. okay. <laughs> Which one do you want to talk about first? The first story, because then the second story will make sense. What's the first story? Oh, I, I was looking at our slide. <laughs> um, oh, oh, let's yes. talk about Habib. Yeah, so, yeah. No, let's talk about Rwanda first, and then we'll talk about Habib. Okay, right, we're going to talk about Rwanda, guys. So basically... If you haven't seen, because like, you said you haven't seen this, right? Well, I'm not on any social media. But, uh, I live no, under a rock. You don't even look at the news or anything, no. But for the past few days, I haven't. No. But, but basically... Um, it's probably not... Is it a big news story? Not as big as it should be. Yeah, I mean, but it never is, is it? Basically, um, Pretty Patel has signed this new deal with Rwanda, which is basically going to send certain asylum seekers who arrive in the UK... Um, to Rwanda um, where they will then go through a process there and if all goes well quote unquote then they will gain um, settled status there basically Mm -hmm. so basically we're taking um, asylum seekers thinking no we don't want to deal with these let's sign by the way it's a 120 million pound deal right Um, with Rwanda to um send these asylum seekers there bearing in mind that apparently it is this this process is going to cost up to a hundred thousand pounds per asylum seeker it's not going to like it the the math isn't mathing right it's it's not going to actually which makes me think in my opinion Mm, that there is a bit of an ulterior motive here that isn't really being thought out very well Mm -hmm. um but yeah, just in general, like, I think even if there was an ulterior motive, the notion of being like, oh, we're going to take people who are fleeing wars right. or whatever and we're just going to send them to this country in, in Africa, right. which is e- e- even further away than the distance that they've already travelled in a lot of mm-hmm. cases, like, yeah. just doesn't seem very morally right to me, in my opinion. You know, so this is, um, like, this idea of, like, extradition... It's not, um, it has a quite a significant like historical contingency. So it's, it's something that's done actually, right? But it's done to like, um, for example, right, in, in Bangladesh, so we've spoken about the Rohingya crisis before on the show. Bangladesh do like a similar, Bangladesh, well, they proposed, I don't know if they actually started doing it, but they proposed a very similar thing where they was like, oh, you know, we're so overcome with Rohingya refugees. What we're going to do is there's this like uninhabited island. We're just going to send them there. Mm. Um, And it kind of reminds me of like back in the day, like during the age of empire. I'm not sure if this was the case among like other colonies, but I know it was certainly the case in the subcontinent um, in British India where what they would do is like they would send convicts to like, you know, like the Andaman and Nicobar Islands. Like there were literal islands that were like island prisons. And I know Rwanda's not an island, but it's that same idea of like extradition, right? It's the same idea of kind mm-hmm. of like washing the hands off of... Like, is that not how Australia started? It's exactly how Australia yeah. started. Exactly how Australia started. It was literally a place. It was an island. It was a prison island. Mm. Um, Bearing in mind, there were obviously indigenous people living there, and did yeah, of take course. It into account. When we say Australia, we mean you <laughs> yeah. know Australia as it is today. But um, for me, it's kind of like it's a process of like um, delegitimization, right? It's kind of like it's the, it's this it's p- playing with like citizenship right it's this whole kind of like artificial process of who 
who gets to have what citizenship based on what they look like in the world and um like if i'm being completely completely frank like and this is not me you know revering the west or whatever else but there's a reason why like for example somewhere like rwanda was chosen that's first and foremost the fact that they're treating mm. rwanda as mm. like a wasteland right mm. that they could just go and discard discard because because let's not let's not get it twisted these asylum seekers these refugees are disposable in the eyes of the, the the british state right they are disposable in our opinion in the eyes of the british state so to now extradite them to somewhere you know to, to anywhere else they're treating that place as as a wasteland um and what it's doing it's kind of like it's 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 that it's that whole kind of um sliding scale of of what makes a migrant and what makes a you know illegal migrant and then what makes a mm. kind of you know someone who we want and someone who we don't want yeah right and then and then and then and then now what it's what they've done is is they've kind of like um stratified the allocation of like citizenship along that sliding scale you can see very very clearly now like who is it that we want and who is it that we don't want based on who we give citizenship to who we accept physically into the land of our country and who we who we discard onto a, a designated wasteland yeah. for asylum seekers especially in like the ukrainian crisis right as well. yeah. right so this comes off the back of the government agreeing to give how much like 10k for each I, I can't I remember. Know, yes, don't quote me on that. But a, a significant amount of money um, for British people to house Ukrainian um, um, Ukrainian uh, refugees, refugees, and yeah. now and now you know non-Ukrainian refugees, i.e. non-white refugees. Now we're sending them to somewhere uh, else. I mean, this is the thing as well. So when I was in researching this news story, I myself wasn't particularly sure like what the dictionary definition the differences were between migrant asylum seeker and refugee and for me it's the differences particularly um like i want to say interesting but i'm a bit like there's there's a problem here because asylum seeker is um someone who obviously is seeking asylum who's who is fleeing um, war or persecution etc mm -hmm. a refugee is only once they've been given uh, once the country has accepted that yeah, they're, they're right. actually right they they are it, it's worthy of them you know right. what i mean and the fact that they, they have to sort of pass that test to become a refugee even the way we have these labels you know it's a very very normative thing it's not existential it's not human it's not human at all it's a political force acting on a human acting and and, and demarcating and and denominating human life mm. right um it's just messed up but what do you expect yeah any thoughts simran i was gonna say like i think i agree literally with what you guys have said the 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 craziest thing i think I, i've said this up before on the show that it's just like another one of those things that makes it us and them again yeah, like they they set that boundary very clear of like you can house ukrainian refugees we'll support you in that we'll financially provide you the means to do so you know all this is that's been going on that people are showing support in ukraine i know people make jokes of it like have you seen like tiktoks of like people's like mums like putting like knitting like a sweater for a cat in blue and yellow in support for ukraine like silly things it's like everywhere that. bro even in my ends i live in like the whitest ends and like a suburb yeah. in 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 south manchester and why are they ukraine i mean not why but like there are ukrainian flags and i've like yeah. i've never in my life yeah, seen, seen any any support for any any of the yeah. conflict in the world i literally like i visited my um 
grandma the other day who lives like in Northwich in it like a ver- like say a very like white mm. area and I remember I was like driving up this like country lane sort of thing yeah. and this house that like has a flagpole but I've never seen anything else it has a Ukrainian flag I was literally like Mm, yeah, it, and again, it's not to discredit the fact. Obviously, it's, people should it's, show yeah, it, but it's just selective. Support, yeah. but then show support for every single person. And it's so selective. Are being persecuted in the same way? Absolutely. Yeah. And so, so, so when they when they roll out these new schemes and they're talking about yeah, we're sending asylum seekers to you to to. Um, to Rwanda we know ain't nobody Ukrainian you know going to be walking around in Rwanda we know that mm-hmm. speaking like just moving on to the next story now and again staying on this topic of us and them because I do believe this next story would never happen and to a white person and, and, yeah, and the states exactly. the states like sheer sheer eagerness to, to just deport right mm. and discard mm. and dispose so um, the story we're referring to is that of Habib Agbolahan, who is a black British 17-year-old. Um, for context, he is um, essentially non-verbal. He finds it hard to communicate with people. So for the most part, he's silent or can't communicate what he wants, where he wants to go, mm-hmm. etc. Mm-hmm. So, so he's vulnerable, essentially. Yeah, 100%, like, obviously, considering that. Um, so he... Um, went missing um, around April 7th. He had no phone, no ID, no money. He's from Kent, by the way. Um, and he, appara- it was thought that he travelled to Manchester. And I think the police actually um, managed to cite him in Manchester, but somehow he got lost again. I don't really know how that happened. Um, but then apparently he tried to go back to London after that um, and somehow lost his shoes in the process. So, for context, obviously, you've got... And, you know, like, we've got nice weather at the moment, but, like, Mm -hmm. the majority of April, considering we were meant to be getting a heat wave, it has been very bad, yeah, cold, wet weather. Mm -hmm. So he was travelling back to London. He lost his shoes. um, So he was spotted by um, British transport police in a clear state of distress. um, No shoes. It's Mm -hmm. raining. He's walking on the cold, hard ground. He was arrested and taken to a detention centre... Um, for illegal um, immigrants, he was he was assessed and it was he was um, stated to be an illegal immigrant because obviously he couldn't communicate. They just assumed that oh. he was transferred to Gatwick Airport for deportation. And somehow, thankfully, yeah, whilst he was at the airport, it was figured out that oh, he's this missing black British seventeen-year-old yeah. that we know about right. and been alerted about, right. and the police have actually spotted a few days ago. Right. Um, oh. But obviously, just listen to that. You just How? know. How is something like that allowed to happen? I I mean, I can tell you exactly how. But, but yeah, like, just see someone. Like, say, for example, um, Halima, if you... Um, just decided to to stop speaking. Like yeah, the assumption would be that I'm an immigrant because yeah. I'm not white. Yeah, that's like, let's call it what it is. That's the assumption because they would not be look at a white person and assume that that if they're missing they'll they will be like where's your gaff they wouldn't be like yeah where's yeah. your home country you know yeah like, that's what it would be it's really funny because so i have a really one of my really really good friends he's a ukrainian immigrant from like he came here when he was a teenager and um he 
like obviously because he has a, like a really thick Ukrainian accent and he talks sometimes about kind of the xenophobia that he's faced and stuff like that and he says you know it's so funny like he said to me one time it's so funny like you are born and brought up in the UK like you've never known anything other than the UK I'm an immigrant I've I am not from here right if you and I sat next to each other like on the tube and neither of us spoke and no one could hear what we sound like people would look at me and assume that I am like from here Mm-hmm. And and you're the immigrant, yeah. You know, and and it just and 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 it's and it's obviously so true. But like, and it's a similar kind of a dynamic and and an assumption um, that plays out here. That skin color is kind of like indication of citizenship, nationality, where someone belongs, and where someone, most importantly, where someone is allowed to be. Right? Because, mm-hmm. for example, say for example, he was an immigrant. Why is the assumption that he must be deported? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a second there's two assumptions at play here first and foremost that he isn't an immigrant and then secondly that he's an illegal immigrant you know also as well it, um, there's another thing at play here which is the whole adult identification of black people because right. he's a 17 year old he's, he's, a, he's a minor, minor. Yeah, literally. he's a minor you man were putting him on the plane by himself yeah. did, uh, did they even ask what, like there's no where are your parents yeah like surely they have the systems to take a photo of someone put it in the system right. and then kind of think like okay right. is, is there anyone missing is right. there, like, do or you, you contact is? the police you ask them can you check the missing person there's so many ways to find out who yeah. someone is if they're not verbal and also you know? why was it such a quick turnaround as well right like, literally within the space of a couple of days he's literally at the airport uh, right like, right i was gonna yeah. say that but like it's it's crazy that they didn't even for a second i think not being verbal didn't cross their mind they just thought can't speak english immigrant Right. One of that. I mean, the ableist, ableism, ableism as well. well. So absolutely, absolutely. The fact that people are non-verbal. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just absolutely. It just goes to show, like, there's just no grace. Like, ultimately, I know, like, we talk about. Was I was saying before, like, these these are political structures, and they are what they are. And I think, you know, sometimes we kind of fall into the trap of kind of assuming that it has to be like this and it has to be so bureaucratic and whatever else and actually it doesn't like you can have laws and you can have order and all of these things but you can be graceful you know you can be humane you can be humane what happened to that poor boy was inhumane and it did not need to be like that no absolutely not and just look at the time we are going to have to move on from this but obviously just final comment is that our complete solidarity with him first and foremost that yeah. must have been traumatic like can you imagine the kind of like distress you must have been in or, or, or have gone through to have made that journey yeah Manchester to London <laughs> I'm it's back insane. again <sighs> it's, it's, yeah. It's, 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 yeah I don't know and shame on the, the police man shame on the authorities yeah, exactly. the way that you acted there it's actually disgusting there's yeah. no excuse for it there's nothing that you could say reasonably because what you thought a 17 year old was a threat to the country <sighs> Um, going a bit more global now for this final topic, um, which again, when I saw it, I was like, um, oh, is, is this not just a retweet from last year when all this was going on? But it, it's not, right? Um, and what is going on is um, obviously it's Ramadan at the moment. Um, and again, I don't know how many years this has been going on for i presume quite a few but i know for a fact it happened last year as well um al-aqsa mosque which um, halima you've talked about before it's mm-hmm. um one of the um like holiest sites of islam right yep. Yep. so and that 
um, has been mm. attacked by Israeli forces again during the, the third holiest, holiest night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. attacked during the holiest month. And during Ramadan again. Yeah, and do we hear anything really about it apart it's, from on social media? Yeah, not really. This this kind of like happens almost like every Ramadan. Mm. Um, I feel like like literally from the last from the top of my head, the last three or four Ramadans, like there have been um, uh, similar attacks, like where Israel will literally just. Um, open fire on, on Palestinians um, mm. particularly like in and around Al-Aqsa mm-hmm. um, uh, which is it. particularly despicable because it's like that is the, the month of like peace right like more than more than any other month like that is the month of like like Muslims are ordered to not not even, as a Muslim Ramadan is the only month where I really tried to not even swear let alone like violence yeah okay maybe I fail but don't look you know like <laughs> mm. So they've like they use tear gas, stun grenades, rubber coated steel bullets, uh, aiming at Palestinians praying inside the mosque. In addition mm-hmm. to journalists, medics, elders, and children outside, injuring at least 158 Palestin- Palestinians. Mm. Um, it was, like, and this is the thing as well. Like, why? Like, what? What? That's what, what I was just what, about what, to what ask you. It? So, what like, was? What did they say? Did they say it was in retaliation to something, or they've not given that? I, I'm looking at the news here and I can't see anything that um, actually like shows what it was actually in retaliation to. I mean, Do you know, I like, mean, realis- realistically, I imagine again, this is just some, me putting some it out rubbish there. kind of excuse, right? Like we felt I, under either that they were throwing pebbles at us. Yeah, either that or that it, it might have been a moral thing in retaliation to what happened a couple of weeks right. ago with a gunman, oh, yeah, um, yeah. which obviously is unjustified, but yeah. like. It's, it's just you know like this article this news article if you had taken it and changed the date to 2014 2015 16 17 18 19 um it, it, it there probably is actually similar news articles every single year well yeah i mean as part of this post it said as it's an almost identical attack right. to um the same mosque um, by israeli police during Ramadan last year, year, which then led to the whole massacre of Gaza last May. Um, And it's crazy, like, well, it's not crazy, but it's just really sad. Like, obviously, we talked about this quite a bit last year, and here Mm -hmm. we are around the same time again. Yeah. It's like clockwork. It's literally like clockwork. I don't know why they choose Ramadan. Like, if if anything, it's literally just, it's a kick in the teeth, you know? It's a time where people are, um, you know, they're... Uh, um, withdrawing inwards to to kind of like be spiritual, be at peace. Like that's what Ramadan is about, and and Israelis are using that that as a time to not only like disturb their peace and 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 their um I can't the words not coming to me now, but to provoke them into violence, mm-hmm. right? Knowing that number one, like <laughs> Muslims are not, not going to want to do that during Ramadan, and I, they shouldn't have to. Exactly, and being. Um Obviously, you could never condone it anyway, but Absolutely. even if you were going to actually... Um, sorry, it's gone from my head now. But basically, obviously, it's Ramadan. Like you're saying, it's meant to be this holy month. It's mm-hmm. meant to be, um, like, peaceful, right. um, really um, focusing on yourself, your religion, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to worry about whether you're going to live or die. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's since April... Um, <clears throat> 15 Palestinians at least have been killed since April alone and we know that this month that Ramadan basically started in April April. and it's been an escalation of um, 
military violence and by Israel during this. Like, it's just, it, it's just, it's so, it's so obvious, you know what I mean? Like, it's so much the out there. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm. thing is as well like I say it's been a year but it's not actually been a year it's actually been a bit was less it it, it, yeah so it's been a bit less than a year yeah. which again is a Ramadan yeah. like yeah. it's very yeah. yeah yeah any thoughts Simran I think you guys covered it but all I can say is just like my thoughts and prayers are with those people because it, like you said it's the worst time for this to have happened no time would have been a good time but yeah. this is absolutely it's an extra kick in the teeth isn't it from what I understand about Ramadan, it's about connecting with the higher powers and, you know, connecting with your Islam and stuff yeah. and, you know, taking the month out to find yourself in your religion again and, you know, yeah. becoming peaceful with it. And, you know, it's just a kick in the teeth, like you said. Mm. Definitely. Um, we've put on our socials, if anyone wants to go on there and then there's, it says where to go. I think there's a save card in website where you can go to and it tells you exactly how to help out Palestine yeah. etc because I, apart from that I don't really know what much else you can do I think we spoke about this before it's quite frustrating being like so far away from something and wanting to actually help no I know I know it's just important to keep the conversations going I think like momentum you know and, and <clears> solidarity <throat> I don't think we can kind of underestimate the power of solidarity definitely Right, we're going to take a quick music break and when we come back, we're going to ha- round off things by talking about 20 years of Bend It Like Beckham. Oh. Yeah. Yes, that was Unreachable on Pi Radio, Manchester's number one youth-fed radio station. My name's Gerns, I'm joined here by Halima. Hey guys, what's up? And Simran, although we forgot to tell her to come back. Is she Simran. here? Is she Simran. here? Simran! Simran, are you there? <laughs> Simran! Uh, she'll be coming. She'll be you know coming. what? Isn't the um, base? Oh, here she is. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> what, why, why are you putting clothes on? What are you doing? Oh, five minute, five <laughs> minute break for the gym. Oh God! Well, are you putting me to gym? I need to go to the gym. Like I haven't been in no, so long. Next- one day we're gonna do a gym related episode because Halima's been on her gym. I've been come on, my gym. On, come on, come on, guys! I'm really proud of myself. I can't lie. I've been on it. Same. Yes. Well, come on. Why? We've got limited time left, guys. Bend it like Beckham. Are you both fans? I love it. I love it. I love it. Best film ever. She's um Jess's seat right as well in it. Yeah. yeah. That's, um, I thought I thought I was her going I, I have such a spiritual connection with not only that film but that character mm. I genuinely like told my, my family to like call me Jas and stuff like <laughs> I was her you know like that is we talk so often about the representation that we don't need that's the kind of representation that we do need 100% I love it's that film a good representation yeah. I just love it and, and it's so evocative it's so I think it's really hard right like just this whole idea of like representation is so hard to like get it right because no group of people no culture is a monolith you know there's always nuances there's always kind of whatever but i just loved i just honestly it was so evocative it was so relatable like obviously i watch i watch that not as like a punjabi sikh person but like as a south asian and um, you know, even like for me, it's just, I just, I just, it's endless. It's mm. a classic. I watch it so many times and I love it every time, you know, like. Do you know what's really cool about it as well is that it's a film that 
it's accessible for everyone, everyone absolutely you know, how i know it is because i know obviously a lot of um south asian people it will have been such a cool cool film growing up that everyone will have been raving on about i um, didn't grow up with much um, south asian family or friends etc mm. so i actually found out about the film through one of my white friends in primary no school way. so it's like actually like that just shows like how, how yeah. much it was the like, ripples that it made and yeah. how, how many like groups of people it really enjoyed it true and it's just mm. testament to the fact that it's just a great you know light-hearted really warming film that also as light-hearted as it is really does make some great points you know mm-hmm. about you know a woman's kind of a south asian woman's right to just be herself and express herself and to pursue her dreams outside of you know a chosen kind of defined life path mm-hmm. have we got any favorite um, moments or quotes yeah but i don't think i can say it on air <laughs> of course i know how you feel me and my family laugh about that all the time literally we love that line one of those things are like I obviously didn't clock it. I I got I just got the message of it when when I was watching it when I was younger. And then when you get older, you're like, oh, that was stupid. Like I don't, okay, you know what? I can't lie. I don't know if if Guru and the Chada was she was like, if that was supposed to be satire or like yeah. genuine. You know, I don't know if she's trying to do like a Punjabi Irish solidarity thing, but whatever it was, however it was intended, it was hilarious. Yeah. I see it as satire. Yeah, so. I was kind of annoyed that like if Jazz didn't kind of like just be like, what shut the... up. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I think it, I think the sentiment's sweet. The message is there. Yeah, it's a. I mean, it's a great scene anyway to to laugh at. <laughs> if I anything, like, as as a, I'm just gonna go back to representation, but like as a Punjabi girl growing up who refused to wear girls' clothes, who loved football, yeah, who didn't really like. I wasn't a girly girl. I was a massive, massive tomboy. Mm, that must be sick for you. Me so much representation i thought i was her i yeah. just in my head i had a false reality constructed yeah where i was this camera yeah and that's the life i lived you know yeah i do want to say one thing though i'm sorry to kind of like make it a little bit serious but um, I remember someone tweeted the other day that mm. when when the film came out, they'd went to like the South Asian person. They'd gone to the, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah they'd gone to the cinema to watch it, when their dad, uh, like they were really excited, and the dad was not as excited. And the dad was like, it don't matter. Like her career is not gonna. I can't remember what it was exactly, but basically saying that like he wasn't hopeful. The girl that's playing Jules, she is gonna be famous. Yes. Yeah. No. Yeah. And what has happened? That launch. That film obviously launched Kara Knightley's career and she's had an absolute she has a very very successful and lucrative career but then jazz it, it, i mean she was the start she, it was her film yeah. it was her film and i've seen her one more time in bird box I, i've seen her one time she was in a season of 13 reasons why right like, you know minor it. characters well, yeah. minor roles i don't know she was in bird box. yeah that she was a doctor do you guys remember? Uh, yeah, yeah, she was a doctor yeah, at the end. Considering that she was literally the star, and also you have to bear in mind, she was actually like 10 or so, or like 8 to 10 years older than Kira Knightley at that point. Oh, that's So crazy. she was in a position she to was more actually mature. She was more be able to take on more roles, you know what I mean? Absolutely, absolutely. And and yeah. that's why, like, I, I think that's, that even in itself, like, kind of paradoxically speaks to so, so much to why we're so obsessed with it, because that kind of representation is so far and few. We've seen it, do you know what I mean? Like, we've seen something that should have launched a, you know, a, a Punjabi woman's career. Oh, sorry, I don't know if she's Punjabi, but a South Asian woman's career it hasn't and that's why we like we fight over crumbs you know because yeah. we don't we don't get it often yeah it's gonna have to round things off there unfortunately looking at the time but yeah iconic gear 
sorry, iconic film. Iconic. Can't believe it's been 20 years. Well, I mean, yeah. I can, but yeah. Love and it. Love that they got um, David Beckham in at the end as well. Yeah, That's absolutely. C- cool. But yeah, thanks so much, guys, for tuning in today. Thank this you. has been Mango Masala, the South Asian show. We're going to finish with one of Simran's picks, which is um, from Drake and Maja Jordan. Gang, gang. Stars align. See you. Oh. What did I do? No, no. Okay. Uh, um, but any comments on this track, Simran, before we play it? Banger. Banger. Yeah. Well, see you guys next week, everyone. Bye. Bye.